Hey, how are things? This is just a quick message to say thank you to everybody who has supported the podcast so far. If you would like to donate to the podcast, you can do so through PayPal. You can find us at paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie. That's paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie. Thank you. Hey, how are things? This is Mark here and welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. This is episode 119. As always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing, liking, all that jazz. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe. My guest on the show today is Adam Tahawi. Did I pronounce that correctly? Close enough, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that, will you? <laughs> uh, Adam a- is a cool guy. He has He's the host of his own podcast, which is the name I wish I thought of first. It's called Healing with the Homies. We'll find out where he got that <laughs> name uh, soon enough. He's also the owner of Shamanic Breath. It's in Tunamore. It is, uh, teaches people uh, to empower themselves through various breathing techniques. And we're going to talk about all that today as well. So officially, welcome to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. Thanks for having me on, Mark. Nice to be here. Absolutely delighted. So, there was, first of all, we get into uh, Healing with the Homies. Where did you get that name? Healing with the Homies. Okay. So um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with ayahuasca. I am. Yes. You are familiar with ayahuasca. Yes. yes. Lovely. Uh, curiosity, have you ever tried it yourself? Or is it no. something you'd be interested in? Never have tried you had it, no. any guests? Cool. Have you had any guests on speaking about it before? No. 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 Cool, cool. Okay, so I guess I can give a little bit of a rundown. Maybe like the yeah, I guess like from the side of there's a chemical in it. So ayahuasca is um it's a chemical it's a brew, sorry, from Peru, okay? okay. So it's a brew from Peru, which has okay. been used for over uh, 2,000 years by indigenous tribes. At the moment now, there's a group of 14 million uh, called the Santo Daima in Brazil, and they use that um, as a religious sacrament in a way. So what ayahuasca is, it's a brew which is made from the leaf of one plant and the bark of another tree. So... Um, in one of these chemicals is DMT, so dimethyltryptamine, which is an endogenous uh, chemical. It's st- similar enough to serotonin and dopamine in that like, it's very, very important for the brain's function and maintaining a, an emotional balance and a level of well-being. There's scientific studies just released actually in not 2019. So the conclusive, ev- conclusive evidence was that the brain actually has neurotransmitter system similar to serotonin and dopamine like it's as key for regulating the brain as as these other two compounds which we we all know about and funnily enough it's still illegal although it's it's a chemical responsible for um dreaming and they do say that there's a massive release um just before you die so if you've ever heard like people having these near death or out of body experiences that like come back um Uh, DMT is uh, it's responsible for that now so the interesting thing about ayahuasca is that if you were to take the leaf which is called shikruna um, and has a, it has a high chemical uh, containment of DMT in it and you were to brew that into a tea and drink it nothing would happen because there's a chemical in your body called um, monoamine oxidase and that's an enzyme which kills off DMT so it actually stops it. it it takes it in the gut and it stops it from being broken down and let into the bloodstream 
So for thousands of years, these indigenous tribes who have no technology, just from, I guess, trial and error and from, you know, understanding their environment um, and playing around, they managed to find the bark of a tree which has an monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So it's an MAOI. And when you brew the two of them together, suddenly uh, it allows dimethyltryptamine into your system. And I first found out about this through a researcher called Graham Hancock on the Joe Rogan podcast about 12 years ago. Seen it. Seen it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Rogan is always talking about DMT. He loves it. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He, he loves it. It's, it's interesting. He, he hasn't actually worked with ayahuasca because, yeah. you know, DMT is a 15-minute experience because when it's taken in different forms, um, like in a synthetic form, uh, the body breaks down in 15 minutes because it's not going through the gut. So the enzyme doesn't have a part to play, but the body is so used to dealing with it and breaking it down that it's, it's just, it's a five to 10 minute experience. So uh, as Terence McKenna said, he, when he, that he needed a way to slow the movie down. There was too much information and too much happening um, in that short space of time to understand the experience. So, uh, yeah, ayahuasca is one of these things where it lasts for four to six hours and it can range from being, you know, quite underwhelming almost that like people who've, you know, who've looked into it and heard all these fascinating stories then they have their first experience and they're like, well, you know, nothing happened or it can be absolutely overwhelming, you know, and you go through, there's a, there's a lot of um, purging involved, like, um, you might puke, might come out the other end, might shit yourself, or, you know, you might make it to the bathroom. But the thing about ayahuasca is it's got massive, massive um, healing benefits. And there's been some studies done recently with uh, Dr. Dennis McKenna. So I'm not sure what, um, what university it was out of, but it was, in, it was in America in the last few years. And so they've proven um, some people who have an ayahuasca experience, the levels of serotonin in their brain not only increase during the experience, but they stay heightened for up to four weeks afterwards. So, and I'm talking like three to four times the level that they would have been at before. So it's like, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of scientific data going into it at the moment to show how, how well it can uh, combat depression. And actually the American government are paying for uh, soldiers, for veterans and police officers who are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder to go to either Colombia or um, Brazil and work with facilitators um, down there to help them to combat their uh, PTSD. So for me, yeah, I, I had always um, been interested in ayahuasca and I just, I got an opportunity to do it last year when I was abroad. And so this is where the name for the podcast had come to me. I was playing around with a few names and I just couldn't put my finger on it. So I did a ceremony and it was um, involved with uh, clinical psychologists and they do, it was a really good team. Like, so you do integration after every night's experience. So that would mean all of you sit down and you have to share about what happened and you can kind of break it down, help make sense of the experience, you know, cause it can be a little bit overwhelming at times. And so in that you're kind of kept safe and you're, you're working with a good team of people who do know what they're doing in, in a professional setting. Um, so yeah. Basically, like during my ayahuasca experience, <clears throat> let's say I was in a very, very, very 
deep stare. I, with my eyes closed, I was like basically in the Amazon jungle and I was seeing all sorts of different types of animals and you could, I could hear the sounds of the rainforest and it was like very, very intense. But I was also very trusting of the experience. So it wasn't really, although I was completely taken by it, um, I wasn't in fear. I, I felt totally okay with where I was at. Um, it was like getting a hug from Mother Earth, you know? And just a totally blissful experience. But I've been playing around and kind of like with the name of the podcast for a couple of months. And so I got this one very clear message that says from the subconscious. So call it healing with the homies. I was going to call it how the fuck are you? Something like that. That's the one of the names I was playing around with. And it was like, number two, I decided I was only doing Spotify and got to put out like audio version of the podcast. And it was like, you're, you're shying away from your own potential because of your insecurities. So you don't want to put your face in front of the camera because yeah, you're insecure about doing that. So, so make sure you do do that. Um, yeah. So there were like two of the little, uh, you know, bits of information I got from that. That's so, um, that's so interesting, right? Because like, like for me, if I got a chance surrounded by a lot of people for DMT for the 10 to 15 minute experience, like for anyone that doesn't know, like essentially you do it and it's just boom. It's like, if you ever seen Jodie Foster in contact, you're just gone bang. But like 10 to 15 minutes seems doable to me, but one that might last four to six hours. If it was, I just call it a bad trip. Um, four to six hours is a long time to have a bad trip because mm -hmm. The thing about it that if anyone doesn't know is that like once you take it, you're not even in this realm anymore. You're gone. You're, everything is gone. And uh, loads of people have come back saying that they've spoken to entities from different dimensions. And if they've done it more than one time to meet the same person or, or not person, same entity all of the time. And it's just a crazy, 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 crazy thing. It's something that I think that I would try at some stage, but I'd have to try it. Like, I, I wouldn't try it after a few drinks in a random house. It'd need to be the way you did it, where it's organized with people who know a hell of a lot more about it than I do, which is exactly what you yeah. got. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and especially, like, like, the ayahuasca experience can be gentle. Now, now, the night that I'm mentioning was, yeah, it was the most profound and deepest experience, like, I've ever had, like, in terms of something being mystical or otherworldly. And yeah, there was a lot of different entities. And I mean, like I've seen, they say ayahuasca is like, they call it divine of the soul. And that's the literal translation of it from um, Spanish. So, but also they say that like the ayahuasca in itself, it comes represented as a snake or as a giant anaconda. Like, you know, it should be one of the biggest and most successful predators in the Amazon where it's, mm. where it's the only place on the planet that it comes from. But yeah, I had, I was seeing this anaconda and it was like, let's say it was my subconscious talking to me, but it was like a voice and my voice communicating true thought, but it was like yeah. clearly something other outside of myself almost, but it could just, you know, you could break it down and say, it's a subconscious having a conversation with you. And just from a metaphorical point of view, it's giving you a way of understanding it and communicating with like you know a deeper level of yourself or hey it could be could be the spirit of the medicine as they would say in their indigenous yeah. tribes i i would lean more towards sort of spirit haven't had experience it but you know you could also 
it, it or it doesn't really matter, you know. I've had an experience before, Adam, where um, and uh, we're look, we're going to get on to Adam's business in a minute. Just conversation, it's just going to flow, let it flow. But the um, absolutely, yeah, yeah, I had an experience before. Um, I, I mentioned it on the podcast once or twice, but I think I'm going to mention it again. Um, because you, you know, might be able to empathize with me. So, yeah, uh, I had a dream one night. Um, I can tell you now before I start, it wasn't a fucking dream. This happened, but I had a dream one night where I was no longer a human. I no longer had a body or arms or legs or anything like that. Um, there was no voice or sound or talk. I was just a ball of energy. I was up in the universe. So I could see galaxies everywhere. I could see clouds forming, nova, supernova. I could see as far, I could see infinity, if that makes any sense, which it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Whilst I was there, a big collection of other balls of light came towards me. I remember that one of my mates had passed away, uh, my best mate had passed away in a car accident not long, um, mm. just be, had it happened uh, not long just before I had this dream. And I recognized him, even though he was a ball of light. But what struck me was, I thought, well, why isn't he leading the charge? You know, they were nearly coming at me in, in a, a V shape, if you like. But he wasn't in front, and I couldn't understand that. But as they got closer then, I actually recognized them all. I, yeah. I don't know who they are now, like, but I recognized them all. And we were talking without, like, just through the minds. And they were saying, oh, my God, like, you were gone so long. Like, just as, like, like you know, we missed you so much and I missed all of them and I knew them and I never felt as loved or as content or as comfortable before or since ever. And they were saying like, like, it's not your time yet. You have to go back. Like, and like, although that sounds like a weird thing to happen when that was happening to me, this mark as in the body here living on earth seemed like the weirdest thing in the world. And what struck me was that when I was in that other place in the dream, even though that didn't last too long, it actually felt like me here on earth was only a pin drop in the amount of time that I have existed, you know? It probably makes no sense. And, and I understood everything so perfectly well that uh, everyone is energy, we're all energy, that we're all looking out for each other. There's no such thing as dying. I, I still couldn't work out why I was had to go back down to earth or anything like that. Now, I woke up, I says, Jesus, that was mad, you know? And I went about life. A couple of years later, then I started getting depression. That was very bad, blah, blah, blah. And then when I start getting over depression, I start thinking about myself and thinking about, you know, my experiences and the things that maybe is in my subconscious. And that's where I start trying to teach myself how, how to breathe and all that. But that kept coming back up in my mind, kept coming back mm. up as an experience that happened. And then I start talking about it. But I didn't talk about it for about 12 years. It's the most yeah. realistic thing that, and as a friend of mine said, maybe you died in your sleep, and I, I don't think so, you know, but, but does something like that of someone who has done and, and experienced, does that make any sense to you? Or can you understand, like, when I say that I could talk to everyone, yet we weren't speaking, I could see everywhere, yet I wasn't looking, or does that mm. sound fucking, did, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, no, I can, yeah. I can relate to that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, uh, almost like, like the thoughts are just, interconnected like yeah you know like i would would you call it even like telepathy it's like your mind is understanding what's yeah. being said without the use of words like thoughts and feelings and emotions and just understanding yeah just a a, a a contentness and empathy and love for everything that you can see and and you can see everything 
all at once yeah. at the one time and it's the most natural feeling in the world it's crazy it's absolutely fucking crazy but the DMT I think I might try of course it's illegal anything that gives you a good time is illegal but um, yeah you know if you're going but to like, hmm? as, as Terence McKenna said it's ridiculous that uh DMT is illegal because everybody's holding you know we should all be in jail for for that like it's <laughs> producing our brain every single evening you know yeah. well, that's right now you know yeah well, that's so actually it's... funny that you say that Adam because that's something that I had thought of that maybe that because we're holding this DMT it's part of us anyways that maybe I just got a surge that night you know while I was asleep and woke up now it all happened in like I it might have only been an hour or two hours but I felt like I was gone for a couple of months like when I came back, I was so fucking put out that I was I yeah. to get up and I says, Oh, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this. Yeah. I want to do that. You know, what about all your loved ones? And I don't give a fuck. I want to do that. That's better than anything. You know? Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. No, I would that sounds very much so like um yeah. a DMT experience. And like they did say, you know, like in a I'm sure you've heard of the third eye, you know, or okay. pineal, the, the pineal gland, which is yeah. a small little gland um, right in the middle of our brains. So it was, it was theorized, like it was just a theory or a suggestion, like um, that DMT is produced by this. And, you know, in ancient Egyptian cultures, they would have had a very deep connection um, with, with what they would have said through the hieroglyphics, like with, with their dead, with their relatives, with their ancestors. And in a lot of hieroglyphics, you can see the pineal gland. Yeah. It's there. Um, so they actually then use a, they had a plant called Acacia narcotica, nalotica, which has very high contents of uh, DMT in it as well. So Graham Hancock has done a lot of work and research into proving that, you know, they do, the ancient Egyptians did use DMT as a, as a ceremony or as a rite. But anyway, so it was in the last few years as well, because you can't do a clinical trial on a human being and open up the brain to see is there um, DMT being produced by the pineal gland, because essentially you'd have to cut their head in half. And, you know, nobody's going to sacrifice their life for a scientific study. But they did do it with, uh, they did do it with rats recently. And so the conclusive evidence is in now. In the, since the last couple of years as well so there's there's a lot happening in this way there's a guy um out of mit who's been like um you know he's doing a lot of headway with this research um i can't think of his name off the top of my head but it was him who came up with the who did the theory with the rats and then also with the neurotransmitters serotonin and dopamine he then did another study proving that like it's as important for the brain's regulatory function as these two other chemicals and that there's a whole system of neurotransmitters in the brain um, specifically for DMT, which before that it's big news for scientists because beforehand that was never known. But um, yeah. And then I guess that kind of brings us on to breathwork because yeah, when you look at the Wim Hof method, a lot of um, there's actually a guy, he's a practitioner, was on the same uh, scientific study. He's doing uh, work with this, this guy in MIT at the moment. And so they're hooking him up to brain scans and different machines. And they're trying to see the levels of dimethyltryptamine being produced in his body as he's doing the breathing techniques. So I guess if we're going to get into the, like my journey with Brett work and how that began. Yeah, so, so um, your man there, Wim Hof, he's, that's... Um... 
he's from Holland, isn't he? He's he's uh, he does he, yeah. he has he's in the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah, he's got twenty two Guinness World Records. Right. Um, so he's he's stayed in ice for up to an hour and fifteen minutes. He's got the record for swimming up in the Arctic, like he's swam the longest distance under ice water. He's uh, ran marathons in up Mount Kilimanjaro in just a pair of shorts and through the Namibian desert in shorts with no water as well. So, like, yeah, he's he was seen as basically a freak of nature, like just kind of like a glitch in the matrix. This one guy who could just do these, um, you know, unbelievable feats of controlling of the mind and the body. But, however, it's been proved, he, he then went to Radwood University um, in Holland and he worked with scientists there and they hooked him up to a load of machines and they did these tests on him to see just exactly what was going on. So, yeah, and like, with me, my journey, I was, um, I do jujitsu and mixed martial arts, so I wouldn't practice in that for nine years now. I started boxing at 12 and like I did struggle with, I wouldn't have realized as a teenager because I lost my father at eight. So I would have had a lot of like repressed emotions. Like I didn't cry from when he died until I was 16. So for six years, I just didn't show any emotions on that side of things. Like the first stuff that would have came up would have been anger. And so <clears throat> for me, combat sports were my, that was my therapy. You know, that was my way of being okay myself. And it was also a lens through which I saw the world, you know? So it was like, Boxing, jiu-jitsu and martial arts were a way that kept me grounded and kept me okay with myself. And, you know, I was obviously very, I was very curious about um, ways to get better um, at the sport, better control of the mind. I always realized that, like, if you have a good control of your, of your mind and you don't let your emotions take over while you're competing, then that's, that's a massive advantage to have. And, you know, the likes of, I don't know if you know George St. Pierre, Oh, no, of course. Big fan. Yeah, yeah. He would have been a big, he would have been a big influence on me, like um, in terms of how he He's how a he structured training. Oh, he really is a legend yeah. of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolute hero. Like so. Yeah, I guess I came across the Wim Hof method on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I I really admired the man's just his energy and his passion, and you know how he communicated his work. So he his wife died in the early nineties. She was bipolar and she took her own life. And so he was struggling big time with depression, but he'd always been drawn. He said to work with cold water. Like she said, it was 16. It was the first time ever he did it. Um, so he was living, I think he, he was living in Poland at the time. Um, I was born in Holland, but he was living in Poland with his parents. I, I might be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure I'm on the ball with this. And he used to go out to this forest, uh, near his home and there was a little ice lake there little pool he used to jump into it um, and he just said he enjoyed doing it and he always came out with this lovely feeling in his body but he was figuring out different ways to breathe and calm himself down and so we skipped forward a few years he was practicing this but once his wife died he totally devoted himself to finding a cure for his own depression and his own sadness and you know the Wim Hof method isn't just breathing it's uh doing cold exposure as well so now like in my breathwork classes personally I'm not a Wim Hof certified instructor however 
Wim Hof took his breathing techniques from pranayama, which is which is uh, one of the eight limbs of yoga. So prana is like life force and yama is to control. So it's controlling your life force to control your breath. So Wim Hof basically took one of the breathing techniques from pranayama, which is doing deep breaths, then exhaling and holding, holding your breath on empty lungs. So in pranayama, they do this through the notes. Um, Wim Hof method, you do it through the mouth. Um, plus you do the cold exposure. If it's a cold shower for 30 seconds a day or whether you're going jumping into a lake and just staying as still and as calm as possible and just allowing yourself to find that place of calm and peace, you know, in the cold water. So that's, that in a nutshell is what the Wim Hof method is, but it's beautiful in that he's brought this technique to the mainstream, you know, it's like, we all, like, especially if you go to yoga class or this, like people, they talk about breath and they tell you to breathe, but they don't really go into any in-depth reasons why or dedicate, you know, half the class to solely doing breath work, you know? Mm. Whereas in like traditional yogi ways, like in the eight limbs of yoga, which is um, this, Pranayama is one part, and then the asanas are the postures, you know? And these are just two of eight ways of reaching enlightenment. Like if you go into looking at the Bhagavad Gita and a whole lot of it. So for me, like I've I've always done stretching and that sort of stuff, but it was where the breath work was the one that really worked for me, you know. And I was like, okay, there's a there's a lot of truth to this. So yeah, I I've been practicing just little bits on and off for a few years during my mid twenties. Um, and then I, I was in Sydney a couple of years ago. And so there was a Wim Hof seminar on. So it was a 12 hour day where you go, you work with the man himself and you do, do some rounds of breath work. And there was a lot like they went into all the science behind that sort of stuff as well. And then at the end, we jumped into an ice bath for two minutes. So yeah, I would I would have stayed in all day actually at that point because what what happens is he what's proved through these studies is that we have the hypothalamus is a it's a part of our brain that regulates your body temperature. So when Wim Hof broke this Guinness World Record of being in the water for one hour and twenty two minutes, not only was he able to sustain um you know a state of calm mind um and not panic while he was in the ice that long, he actually maintained he kept his core body temperature the same the entire time which is that's kind of crazy for science looking at that it's like he was not letting his outside environment affect his inner environment so he literally kept his body temperature the same so just by doing these breathing techniques so yeah that's it's basically what he proved is something that is like as you said it's been known you know how important the breath is but science would have totally disagreed with the idea that human beings can actually, you know, regulate their own autoimmune system and their own body temperature through simply just breath. So it's um, like he's saying, anybody can do these techniques that he's practiced. So what happened was he went to Radbird University Medical Center and then they, he decided he wanted to prove that it was a technique. It was not just him. So he brought a group of 15 people up to the mountains in Poland with him. He spent just a week with a random test group 
showed, showed them all the techniques and the breeding studies. And so then they were brought back to the university and they were all injected with endotoxins. So endotoxins are like bacteria, live, live bacteria that will cause flu, headaches, nausea. They're just, they're going to make you sick. So all of them were able, by doing the breath work, they were able to get rid of the endotoxins out of the system in 15 minutes, like every single one of them. So what the evidence that points towards is that, you know, human beings can fight they can fight, you can fight sickness and different types of diseases as well, especially uh, diseases like inflammation. So I wouldn't go ahead and say, oh, like if you have arthritis or you struggle with carpal tunnel syndrome, start uh, the Wim Hof method will cure for you uh, straight away. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people who have had these experiences and are saying that it has done so for them. I would say, you know, if you practice them, as well as doing whatever medical procedures you were doing, you know, and see how it works out for you. I know I did have a, like, I did have quite a bit of arthritis from boxing, um, you know, early onset. And when I practice these techniques um, with the cold exposure, I feel so much better, you know, like I was doing a bit of work there in, in Australia. At one stage, I was on the building sites in the, for, for a month and I came home and every night my hands were killing me, you know, so... I stopped that as well, but I start. I was, I was real deep into the Wim Hof just a few weeks afterwards, and totally, you know, totally reduced the amount of pain. Like you know, strange the way like um, like you know, like you know, be, before the industrial revolution and before we got all technology and stuff like that. Um, going back years and years, there was always like shaming, or there was always group leaders, and they always talked about like you know, um, humans were capable of so much stuff and particularly of healing themselves and stuff like that. And I think, and probably more so in the Western world, as time went on and technology, we, we, we kind of lost that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of it is coming back, that people are realizing, like, like you're, you're right that science doesn't, science ignores stuff like that because science needs to see proof. Um, yeah. And was now, as the paper came out in 2019, that there is proof, you know? And I've no doubt that in the background they're working on that to see what it is. Like I know for I was just telling Adam before we start recording that when I had depression, and I spoke about it on the podcast several times, I used to do a thing called white knuckling, where my, my fists were so tight that my two knuckles were white. Oh, white, yeah. And I've just been fucking, you know, I've just and and sometimes that could be like that for a, a period of time that I didn't even know because I, I just I, I catch myself doing it if that makes any sense. Like I I don't remember going into that state, but I'd catch myself in that state. I don't know how to do the Wim Hof method. I don't know anything about that at all. But I would just used to breathe, kind of slow myself down, like like what's the best way to say? Like physically take time and attention that I'm breathing, which is something mm -hmm. I've never done in my life ever, unless I was in the army or something and we're coming back from a 15 mile march. Or so, then you'd have to breathe and get yourself right to go again. But I mean, just in general, like I was sitting down, and I was actually consciously taking time to breathe like obviously I breathe all the time but I've just taken time out of my day to breathe to take my time doing it to listen to watch what I'm doing see am I breathing in properly am I doing and inevitably it would calm me down so like that's just a fact that's a, like that happened I'm telling you that happened like that's that, that's what yeah. and, and no scientist saying well we're not sure of the results now I look at my fingers fuck what you're not sure of I was dying with depression I could have killed myself I didn't 
I start breathing slowly. I, I did loads of different techniques and, and I got mm. better as I went along, but I wasn't, you know, and it, it helped me no end. So I don't even need scientists to tell me that, uh, you know, like you were talking earlier on about the third eye, you know, and, and the likes of the third eye and the likes of the rituals that um, ancient people did. Like you can look at uh, Australia on the walls and you'll see drawings of third eyes and people using alternative medicine. Well, it's not alternative. It wasn't called alternative medicine then, but but you can also go to Peru and see the same drawings. And use the same. These people didn't even know that the other continent existed. Like, Yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah. we need to be a little bit more sophisticated about thinking it. It's like just because we grow up in this era here and we've internet and we've cars and we've governments and this stuff, that isn't always the way it is. This is like this for such a short period of time, but it seems like forever to us because we're born into it. But it's not the case. You can read history books. You can look it up. The, the industrial revolution and technology is like that to humans being alive and for all other times we didn't have any of those things but yet we survived and we involved we didn't all get eaten out by tigers or lions or stuff like that we had to live in cold places we had to heal ourselves when there was no real medicine you know so obviously all these things work in some capacity or else we wouldn't yeah. fucking be here you know absolutely and it's funny one thing kind of picked up there like what you're saying about using like different types of medicines like most pharmaceutical pills um you know that are handed out they come from plants you know they're yeah. just broken down into a derivative of it and then they're put in with a bit of filler and sold packaged and you know knocked out by the millions but the thing is like with these techniques it's beautiful like it's coming back to people being able to take control of their own healing you know and that's that's why I am really passionate about this because, like, okay, in certain circumstances, like, you know, if me and you get a cut or a stab wound, you know what I mean, and we, we don't know how to stitch ourselves, we should go to a doctor. If you're you need an organ transplant, you should go to a hospital. You know, there's there is a miracles and massive benefits to um, modern medicine and, and the function that we have it. Absolutely. But, it's not the be all and end all. And you can absolutely see that with human beings at the minute now, like people are looking for something else. Because when it comes to, you know, I think especially when it comes to anxiety, depression, and these sort of things, um, handing out, you know, sleeping tablets um, and all that sort of stuff, it's not, it's, not, it's not a good solution. Maybe short term, you know, like if somebody's really struggling and they need something to get them out of a really bad place, yes. But if they ended up addicted and dependent on it, they're looking outside of themselves for a way to heal and to get better. And, you know, that's... 100%. That's, that's yeah. fucking perfect. You're 100%. Yeah. And that's a slippery slope, like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a slippery slope. So, yeah, I find, like... That's, like I, I just that's sorry to interrupt Like, I, I, I'm sick to my tits of fucking medicines and stuff like that. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of um, people going out who... who don't know any better and getting a fucking tablet for this. And then when you have this tablet, this tablet might give you the shits. Okay. So we'll give you a tablet then to stop you getting the shits. Okay. Now, because we gave you this tablet for stopping you to get in the shits, you might get acid in your stomach. So we're going to give you these tablets that are anti-acid. Fuck off. Exactly. Yeah. First sight in my life. There is, and I don't care what anybody said, there is no money in a full-time cure at all. If everyone got cured in the morning, the world would be fucking bankrupt. The who, I yeah. don't know, but it'll be bankrupt. There's 
billions got to do with medicine. And I agree with you, by the way, 100%. There's the things we can do with medicine and the operations and the surgeries we can do are absolutely amazing. And it's just the genius of humans learning it down through the years. And as you said, Adam, if I got fell and if I slipped my leg open on barbed wire, of course I wouldn't sit there fucking breathing in the field. I'd go to the doctor, yeah. I'd, get, I'd get an injection, I'd get stitched up, I'd get healing. But what, what also you can do is, and I know this from having depression and getting better, I got better on my own. And I know that you can do it. You can talk to yourself. You 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 can breathe. You can stretch. You can. It's it's all in the mind. It's all in the thought. All of those things will help your body do the things that you need it to do, as well as getting stitched up. You know, it's it's not breathe or get stitched up. Do fucking both. But it it works. It it like there's. I don't know what's out there, and I don't know what the situation is. Um, but there's no way that we went fucking millions of years through and now all of a sudden breeding techniques don't work that's impossible they, they worked for history you can find no. you find people sitting around you mentioned about the dnt thing here you can find people sitting around and, and you can find it on drawings everywhere fucking cavemen sitting around they're all sitting around doing rituals and stuff like that like that was all fine and all of a sudden now then things don't work bollocks absolute bollocks and they do work and that's why when i seen you talking on Instagram, you seem so passionate about this, and that's why I wanted to get John because, you know, you're not saying nothing else works. You're saying just do this as well, you know, and and and, and I fucking love that. Like, so yeah. Question for you now, right? So I'm there, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm listening to what the lads are saying. Well, particularly Adam, and he, you know, it's it's all making sense to me. So what I'm going to try to do now is I'm going to try to start breeding more, um, breeding, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Breeding with purpose, like taking time out to breed. How does someone, a starter, a, a layman, someone like me, for example, how does someone like that go about doing it on a daily basis? Because I'm sure it's not something that you do twice a week and off you go. You're, it's, it's a constant self-improvement practice. I yeah. Think. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. That's very good question so from a practical sense i would say one of the most simple and effective ways to just kind of breathe fuller deeper and get a better connection with your lungs and also with your mind and your body is it's a simple one called um full body breathing in yoga and so what you do is breathe in through the nose and what you want to do is direct the air into your stomach and try and blow out your belly as if you were blowing up a balloon, you know, almost until you're feeling your stomach muscles contract, contracting. So you just breathe in and push out your stomach as much as possible, all in through the nose, calmly, slowly. And then when you feel like you can't anymore, exhale and push, you know, as you exhale, you're trying to push your stomach almost to the back of your spine, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're breathing... In all the way for say six, eight seconds, and then as you exhale, all the way back. Um, and then you do the same thing again, but this time directing the air out to your ribs. So you breathe out here. How how would you do that? How do you direct it? What do you mean? So say so I'll take a step back. So yeah, say yeah. here, when I'm breathing in almost as it like 
you kind of want to put a bit of pressure on your belly almost for the first technique. So you're breathing mm. here, out. And then with the ribs, you're almost as if you're trying to breathe in and stretch your ribs out to the side. So if you put your hands there, and then when you breathe, you're breathing outwards as opposed to down to the bottom of your stomach. You just seem yeah. to be relaxed after doing something like that. You go, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and I kind of, I, I would put my hands like, so if you're listening on the audio, almost like my thumb and my index finger spread out. And so when I'm breathing on my ribs, I put my hands on my ribs like that. And you get a little bit of a stretch on your fingers as well. And that's a good mm. indicator that you're doing it right. All you're doing is just trying to breathe to the side as opposed to, you know, you can fill up your, your belly one way and then you can fill up your lungs. So there would be the first two. And then the third technique is to do the same. You can put your hands up over your head, bring your fingers together if you'd like. If, if not, you can just, you know, That's keep them by your side. Whilst you're breathing in. Yeah, and so from here, as you inhale, you breathe into the top of your lungs this time and you're stretching your back a little bit. And then as you exhale, you're falling down relaxing your spine and your shoulders and you just that's crazy like that's the first like i i've never um of all the times when i had depression i was breathing out i never once considered breathing into different areas of my body and i didn't mm. think you could and i don't even know if i've done it right there but i i feel that i did you know I, yeah absolutely <laughs> my fingers stretched that's for sure yeah yeah that's it yeah you're just once you're breathing in and you're pushing your ribs out to the side you know you can't really go far wrong you know and so the purpose of this um, is to is to fill up your lungs, you fill up your belly, then out to the side and then up to the top. So you're hitting all three areas of your lungs. And yeah, I would recommend like if you could do 10 breaths of each in the morning, that's a really good place to start, you know. Um, I know that I, might, um, I, I went for an interview before down in Galway for a job. I was suffering yeah. depression at the time. And when I got down, I was sitting in the car and it was a kind of a technical job. And I was thinking, um, fuck, like I'm in a real bad place here and I'm, I, sh I should be sitting at home minding myself. And I'm here now going in for a fucking interview for a job. I, I be one of these lads I take after my dad. My dad was always early to stuff, you know, he still is to this day. If you're on time, you're late, you know. So I was mad early for the interview. And I sat there breathing in the car and I went in, done the interview as calm as you like, got the job and left. But if they had seen me like 15 minutes prior to that in the car, they would have said, get that fucker out of here, you know? So it, it's yeah. just great the way it calms you down and it works. So them breaths would be good for someone that's sitting at home and bits and bobs like that. So I, I, I want to talk about um, shamanic breath and ton of more. So obviously there's, look, there's lockdowns, there's this, that and the other. You're on Facebook and you're, and you're yeah. on Instagram. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave the links to both of them um, in the description of this podcast. So... When the podcast is over and Adam's finished, you can go and have a look. Um, uh, so when people come to your class, what kind of classes do you do? How many times a week? How long is it? How do you get involved? So basically, I'm running on a, on a maximum of 10 spaces for the moment, just based, you know, with COVID regulations, trying to keep classes, um, <clears throat> and, you know, people a meter apart during the class. 
So I'm running them on a Monday night in the Charleville Centre in Tullamore. And then on a Tuesday night in Seoul Pathalistic, which is a little centre in Killy, just, you know, seven or eight minute drive outside of Tullamore. So, um, yeah, I have two classes for the moment. Um, I have a therapy room at home here as well, where I do one-to-one sessions with clients as well. If they're not, you know, if they don't want to kind of come to a group session, I prefer to do it uh, in that sort of environment. Um, yeah, I offer that, those services as well. Um, yeah, and I'll be doing some, I'll be doing retreats as well in um, Bishopstown House in Moat. I'm just kind of going to figure that one out for the moment. Um, been planning to it's do some stuff to- up. Know exactly how something that's going to go with the fucking uh, <clears throat> the lockdowns and bits and bobs. You can't plan anything for sure. Do I? I don't think I asked you. Do you do, or if 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 you don't do, have you ever thought about doing online classes as well? To be honest with you, right, Mark, I'm so I was doing a couple of Zoom, and then I just. I'm a bit stubborn, to be honest, but look, that stubbornness has to go now because we don't know how long these lockdowns are going to go on for, do we? Yeah. Like, even with my podcasts, I much prefer doing them in real life, and I was getting, that's the way I was doing it, it was kind of one-to-one, and then I was doing a few Zooms, and, you know, sometimes your guest audio quality wouldn't be as good as yours or whatever, so it was like, I was getting a little bit, like, frustrated on that side of things, but hey, look, as we were saying to you, we were talking about beforehand, it's like, practicing stoicism was something i was doing during the last lockdown because that was a technique it's like okay when things are going well for me it's all well and good but you have to be prepared for and it's like you know work and plan for the best but also be prepared for the worst you know that's what the stoic philosophy like it's one of the aspects of it that i really like about it you know um i'd be thinking about the person who like like if for for um like like doing this and and i'm just I, I, I want to talk to you. I just want to say this first, but then I, I want to talk to you of what a class looks like and what we do when you're yeah, in the sure. But just before I do that, I guess I'd always be thinking like, <clears throat> and it's particularly since I started the podcast, I've talked to people before and after, and like this is, I think, 119 episodes. So I've met a lot of different folks and spoke to them. Nice. Like different people, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. People say that, but that's the truth. Like, like some people, would only go in and do a, a group breathing session. They wouldn't do it on their own. Some people wouldn't dream of doing it in a group, even if there was no pandemic. Mm. Other people might be easier talking on a fucking Zoom. You know, it just depends. It just depends. Like, I think what you were saying there, like, you know, keep all options open because you, you you absolutely never know what, what people want. Like, it's, it's like me with this mm. podcast. I done, I had guests on and I thought it was doing brilliant. And so many people asked me to do a talk on mental health. Who am I to do a talk on mental health, you know? But I suppose yeah. the fact that I had it and I got through it, and I do have a lot to say about it. So I, I done the talk, um, and it was very successful. But I, I was thinking of not doing it, you know. I've exactly. Yeah. I just fucking did it. Like it was very successful. So I, I wouldn't rule out the online thing. Um, yeah. I, I I I know there's loads of people who uh, who w- would only do, do do stuff like I know people that said that I do the podcast now while it's on Zoom, but I wouldn't meet up in real life and do it. I'd be too nervous with a mm-hmm. camera. I said, you're fucking on camera. Yeah. So with your class, let's say today is a day of your class. I arrive in, I'm a newbie. I, you know, yeah. I walk in. So how do I need to bring stuff with me? Um, do I need to like have a bottle of water? Yeah. What way does it work? Uh, so I would say all you need is like a blanket, a pillow and a bottle of water. Okay. Um, so that that's all you need to do. 
um, just bring those things with you. So the way I start the class is just kind of have a little chat for a couple of minutes. If people want to say their name, they can do so. If not, there's no pressure to speak. You know, some people don't like putting themselves out there. That's totally okay. Mm-hmm. And so I start with doing the, the technique I show you there. That I see that one as a, as a warm-up, you know, you're, you're stretching your muscles, essentially. You're getting ready for the, for, for the real exercises. So we'll do the full body breathing. That'll take roughly, you know, 10 to 12 minutes. We'll do maybe 25, 30 breaths of each. Um, you know, you're getting a little bit of a stretch as well, opening up the lungs and respiratory system and bringing around a little bit of a state of calm. So if people are a little bit nervous or anxious walking in the door, Hopefully by the time we've done that first little part of the session, they'll be a little bit calmer and a little bit more at ease. And so I'm, I'm variating techniques. So for the moment, the structure I'm doing, well, last night's class, say, for example, was is one called triangular breath or transformational breath, whatever way you want to call it. So it's, this is a really, really deep technique. And it's, it's actually crazy in terms of like how how it affects you physically like people are absolutely stuck to the ground by the end of it it brings up a lot of emotions now you know some people will end up laughing hysterically they'll just be like giggling away other people end up crying you know and it does bring a lot of emotions and memories to the surface for people um and it's a pretty simple technique as well all you do is you breathe into the stomach then into the chest and then exhale. And so you just keep the breaths the same. So you could do it really fast or you could do it really slow or you could pick up the pace for a little bit and then maybe all of a sudden you're feeling your lips and your head are gone numb and your arms and your legs are stuck to the ground and then you want to slow it down a little bit. Do you people ever faint in the class? About the breathing? No. No. Now, with the Wim Hof method, which, as I said, I'm not a Wim Hof practitioner, so I, I practice deep breathing which is very similar you know i do do the rounds which is pretty similar to that there is a chance with that that you can faint however i'm always i'm always going around and watching and nobody's ever fainted as of yet you know so i do i do keep an eye out for that as it's you know there's there's a potential for it but from my own experience with it you you'll get to gauge yourself like people will know when they're at that point and I'll always encourage them to slow down. And I do, you know, you have to kind of keep an eye on it. That's basically when, that's what I'm there for, is to just keep an eye and make sure people are okay. So, you know, we'll do the transformational breath. And then that will, once you're finished doing that for half an hour, I'll give people five minutes and I'll do a little meditation with them and help them get back into the body. You have to shake off, get yourself back moving again and so it's uh, a yeah, reality yeah it's very profound actually some people get a lot of ringing in their ears yeah. um a lot of stuff kind of can come up from your childhood and that stuff that you don't want to look at or that maybe you know it's, it's good in a way that like you i feel like your mind will only let you deal with stuff that you're willing to deal with so i'll do that technique um and another one I'll be using is like holotropic breathwork. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. And then, so I'll structure the class, I do those two. And then at the end, I will do five rounds of deep breathing, which is very similar to Wim Hof. We'll just do a slightly altered technique. We'll basically do the technique that he learned and changed himself. So we'll use mm-hmm. the original technique, which is 
doing it, but just through the nose. So it's nasal breathing as opposed to um, through the mouth. And so, like in every class, I've just told people, you'll be able to hold your breath for three minutes by the end of the class, like whether you're a smoker or not. You know, and yeah, everybody has so far. It's uh, actually people's faces when they're looking at you, like, are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> you know, and then, um, yeah, it's, it's a process. Like the first round, I'll do a minute, then a minute and a half, then two, two and a half and three. And so like that's the classes are a little bit like, you know, I wouldn't say intense, but there's a lot in it. I do give time between each technique, you know, to allow yeah. people to kind of grab down. Have a, have a minute, get a water, go for a little walk. Um, we'll have a quick little chat between each technique and then get back into it. So, yeah, the classes are two hours long. And the, like my hope is that people, you know, if they want to come back, fine. But like that when they come to the class or after learning the technique and that they practice it themselves, you know, because it is all about um, empowering people to be able to do their own work and to be able to keep their own minds and bodies under control you know like um you know when we're talking about like when you're getting the white knuckles and like for myself when i'm stressed i kind of get in my jaws and in my shoulders here as well um so like we have a, a chemical called cortisol which is responsible for uh, fight or flight and so when you have uh, really high levels of cortisol in your body causes stress anxiety insomnia um and at really extreme cases, it can cause cancer in the adrenal gland. So when you do these techniques, you're balancing the levels of cortisol in your body. So it reduces the amount of cortisol you're producing. So it's naturally just calming, calming you down, helps with better sleep. And, you know, it's just, just reduces stress. That's one of the most immediate things. And then on the other side of it, when you do these, um, techniques there's it produces epinephrine and epinephrine is a chemical in the body which reduces inflammation and swelling so that was another one of the byproducts of the Wim Hof studies is that through these deep breathing uh, techniques you're reducing the amount of inflammation and swelling in the body which is a it's good as a preventative measure for diseases you know yeah, it's like absolutely. if someone it's like you be you could be killing cancer cells or or strengthening your immune system before they come around. I'm not going to say like, if you've cancer, go and practice these techniques, it'll save you. Like that's just, I think claiming something like that actually detracts from these methods. You know what I mean? I would say do, do what you need to do. Go to the hospitals, obviously. I wouldn't say like these, that would be the way to go for this, but as a, as a prerequisite, as a way of keeping the body in homeostasis and keeping yourself in a, in a, good clean body this is uh yeah they're fantastic it, it, it doesn't surprise me there what you said about uh some people might get emotional or get happy or start crying or whatever because mm. when you're you know you're people are going around in a bubble and everything's happening real fast in front of them and the world is going by a thousand miles a second you're on the internet you're running around your work life everything everything's going really really fast now you're taking a few minutes to yourself you're sitting down you're breathing all the stresses leave and essentially then you're left with who you really are and mm. then things start coming up to the front and you say, okay. And, and, and that's like, I've done that over like, I mean, if, if, if I had met you on year two of depression and said, right, show me how to breathe properly. I probably wouldn't have had depression after two years, six months, but I mm -hmm. had to learn all this shit on my own. 
And you know what I mean? I don't know. But I, you know, it, it was only after it worked that I realized it had worked, you know. I, I didn't, I was just yeah. going to calm me down and I didn't. But uh, yeah, so listen, I have another question for you. Um, we kind of went into the history, and I won't keep it too much longer now. Uh, we went into the history of, you know, bits and bobs, we went into a lot of the science behind it and what all the different things are called. I just want to talk a little bit about benefits. So um, yeah. you have mentioned them as well, but I mean, I want to just spend a little bit of time just on benefits alone. So let's say for an example, uh, and look, and I'm going to use you as an example because I'm talking to you. So I'm going to your class for five, six, seven months. I'm loving it. I'm going once a week. Or yeah. And I'm fucking loving it. It's, it's time I get out away from the kids or it's time that I, I, mm. I'm i not fucking drinking or I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm doing something for myself. What benefits does a person feel after doing this type of thing for a period of time? That's a good question. So I would say they're absolutely like your levels of stress. So as we were just speaking about, like with cortisol being reduced, like, um, you know, on a chemical level, your brain will be producing much less stress hormones. You know, it'll be bringing that back into balance because cortisol is something that you need in your body. So you will, as a byproduct of doing this, your brain is going to be producing a natural balanced amount of this uh, stress chemical. So, your your tendencies to get angry to get upset and you know to be depressed are going to be going to be much lower you know like i know for myself like all it takes is like all it takes is 10 minutes of doing these techniques and i'm like a totally different person you know like much calmer much more grounded although like if you stop doing it i, I would say consistency is a big part of it if you could allow yourself time in the morning to even do one or two rounds of breath works or even you know just take some deep breaths and just find that place of calm um then you know you're going to be putting yourself in a much better headspace um and like if you are taking say like tablets for anxiety or stress i would recommend practicing these techniques in conjunction with it yeah. And I would say by after a couple of months, you know, you'll probably have dropped the pills and you'll just be relying on yourself. So like one of the best benefits I think about that is that it develops a sense of trust and communication with you, you know, so for yourself, you can trust yourself. Like I know the way I speak to myself, the voice in my head now is different. It's like if I get stressed or I'm feeling that little bit of tension coming up, instead of feeding into it, I'm like, okay, one second and I'll just and I don't even have to do 10 minutes maybe 10 15 breaths you know and that's it's, it and then I'm like okay it's cool to it like it's it's um it's very good that you can recognize it first of all because not everyone can recognize that they're about to fucking explode you know you can kind of yeah. recognize it and then secondly uh and I think the most important thing that was said in this whole podcast so far was to begin to trust yourself you know that's a huge thing you realize that like 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 we are fucking i don't mean me and you i mean humans in general are incredible like well me and you are incredible as well but humans are fucking <laughs> humans are fucking incredible man the things we can do like you know like we cut our arm yeah. and we heal ourselves we can see things we can pick we can make things we can envisage uh, imagine we you know we're, we're we can do terrible things and more but we can do amazing things in kindness we just you know human beings just trust ourselves do all the stuff that we've been doing for years to make us better and, and, and 
really I hope that your classes are full 24-7 with people I hope that someone yeah. who has never thought about breath work or meditation or breathing or the benefits of it has seen this podcast and has said yeah I, I like to cut out Adam's jib I'm going to go there I'm going to check it out um, you know and, and it's, it's great that people are on the podcast you're on the podcast people get a chance to see you and talk to you and see what you're like um, I'm going to say look thank you for coming on the show I, I genuinely wish you every success because um like we were talking off air and i mean you know adam probably won't say this but success to him isn't the, the business thriving it's it's helping other people like it so it's someone coming to him and saying i feel better because of what you're teaching me and uh you you, you won't go too wrong with someone like that in my opinion so thank you very much mark no oh, brother, brother. No, I really on no i really appreciate you coming on and you know maybe we can have you on. on you came on yeah, <laughs> that's what you do your own podcast. You really that's appreciate it, yeah. me coming on. <laughs> Here, listen, thank you for having me. You. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, be great if you came on sometime as well. You know, we get yeah. you on for a chat, and you know, yeah, I'm the easiest person uh, in the world to get. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you having me today. Now it was great. Um, yeah, but okay. yeah, just I just want to say to everyone, uh, just um, just before we press record, um, Adam got a muffin, so it's been there for the whole time. Show out to people the, the muffin. My uh, yeah, my little sister baked me a little blueberry muffin there. It's brought it in this morning, so and literally just before we press record. So not only did he keep his calm and talk through the podcast and give us all the information he had, he also did it with a smell of a muffin. So well yeah. done. <laughs> that's that's some uh, David Goggins shit there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, take it easy, brother. All the best. Thanks for coming on. All right, Mark. Thanks, mate. Bye bye.